Chapter 4 The Lady Luck Casino was the biggest and best place to get a drink or game in New Plymouth. Alcohol flowed freely at the Lady Luck, and Meade didn't let two minutes go by before he grabbed a glass of something off a passing waitress's tray. He opened his arm bar and highlighted a credit token on his screen and tossed it towards her. A 3D projection of the coin flew out from his arm bar and landed on the beautiful purple-haired server's outfit. She turned, smiled, and winked at him, her smoky eyes flirting with him from across the room. I had to start playing here more often, Meade muttered watching the woman's hips sway back and forth as he continued to serve drinks to the thirsty crowd. He shook himself back to reality. There's no time for that. Right now, he had a mission to accomplish. He stepped towards the cashier's cage and rang the bell for service. A man wearing a translucent green visor stepped forward. His weak chin, closely cropped salt and pepper beard, and watery blue eyes gave him the look of a beaten man. He cleared his throat and spoke in a soft voice to Meade. Buying chips. The man's low voice warbled. I'm looking for Laszlo, Meade said, direct and to the point. That was the only way to get the warlords to respect you. They might be ruthless, brutal gangsters, but at heart, they were businessmen. And more than anything, businessmen hated people who wasted their time. Do you have an appointment? The man asked. Don't need one. The money ought to prove I'm serious enough. Meade opened up his armbar display and showed the fat man opposite him the balance on the screen. The cashier's eyes widened, and he muttered something that Meade didn't quite catch. Miss that, Meade said gently. I would advise you to return another day, sir, the cashier said. Mr. Laszlo is... He hesitated. He is indisposed at the moment. Now, what the hell does that mean, Meade demanded. I don't give a good goddamn if he's banging Ambassador Corcoran herself. Pass along the message that Jim Meade has his money and wants to tell him to go to hell. The cashier's eyes widened, obviously shocked that someone would dare speak about his employer that way. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do, sir, the cashier said, pushing his chair back. The fat little man stood and waddled his way to the back of the cashier's cage where he picked up a green telephone. He spoke into it quietly for a few minutes and then hung up. He returned to Meade. It will be a few minutes, the cashier said. Good, Meade replied. He turned to look over the expansive casino floor. There were table games everywhere, and customers were standing three deep waiting for their chance to play. Folks from all walks of life in New Plymouth packed the Lady Luck Casino tonight, all hoping to turn a roll of the die or turn of the card into a jackpot of dreams. May I get you something while you're waiting, sir? The voice inquired behind him. Meade waved him off. Not interested. Now, what's your name? Russo, sir. Tim Russo. The man's chin wobbled as he turned back to his work. So you're the one that knows where all the bodies are buried, Meade said, hoping to throw the man off balance. It worked. Russo coughed and his face became incredibly pale. I I'm sure I have no idea what you're referring to, sir. Sure you don't, Meade said in a voice that dripped with sarcasm. So, uh, what sort of work do you do for him then? Mostly administrative. Russo's eyes narrowed as he stared down Meade. Jim Meade, you might have uh, seen my humiliating defeat the other night in the ZFC fights, Meade said wryly. Just here to pay back a loan for a bet I made on myself. Russo grunted. It's not like Mr. Laszlo to make bad investments. Hey, I'm here paying him back, Meade protested. Besides, Chow cheated me out of my rightful victory. Russo sniffed haughtily and turned back to his work.
Meade went back to watching the crowd of Ori miners who had invaded the Lady Luck at the end of their shift tonight. The casino floor was huge, with hundreds of blinking machines, all singing siren songs that promised a big jackpot for one lucky mole. There were photos everywhere of people having a great time as if reminding people why they were there in the first place. Of course, they were a subtle reminder that everyone who visited Lady Luck was just one dice throw away from a perfect retirement. All they had to do was ante up and play. And play they did. Looking for company tonight? The female voice was dark, smoky, and aimed at Mead. She was tall, her red hair splayed out over her shoulders, covering her ample cleavage. Mead eyed the woman who had approached him. She was holding a tray with several empty beer bottles on it and was wearing a smile that he assumed brought most men to their knees. Russo perked up and eagerly moved back to the window. He's too broke for your services, Roxanne. The waitress rolled her eyes at the chubby man behind the glass. Mead couldn't help but chuckle at the way the man's eyes were coveting the woman's body. He had to admit, it wasn't like her clothing left a whole lot to the imagination, but even so, he always attempted a bit of eye contact when talking to the opposite sex. Russo, on the other hand, had to wipe the drool off his mouth the second she came within sight. What about it, cowboy? Roxanne asked, ignoring Russo. I'm afraid your friend over here is right. You look a tad more expensive than I can uh, afford, he said with a wry grin. Russo smiled, exposing a set of yellowed and rotting teeth. You see, Roxy? He's not interested. My offer, though, still stands. Don't you have work to do? I know Laszlo hates when the previous night's count isn't ready by the time he finishes his poker game, Roxanne said pleasantly. The subtext in her body language towards Russo, however, sent a much different message. Fuck off. I'm working. Russo's face fell and he moved back to the rear of his workroom, grumbling. Meade turned to Roxanne. As annoying as he is, I'm afraid he's right. Even if I had the credits, I'm not exactly someone who pays for it. Paying for the company of a woman is hardly a sin. She said, her voice sultry. Well, me drawled. The way I figure it, you're going to be paying for it one way or the other. I'm just not the type who wants a receipt when we're done if you catch my drift. Although, Mead looked over her body again, nodding appreciatively. I bet it's a life-changing experience with you. She smiled, placing her drink tray on a table and moved closer to him. I do not do that sort of thing any longer. Her accent was hard to place. Ukrainian, if Mead had to guess. I scout eligible men for my friends who do need dates and credits. Looking for lonely fellows like myself to help your friends make a little money, he shrugged. Seems a hard life, serving drinks and uh, pimping your friends out. No offense. She laughed. It was the sweetest sound Mead had ever heard. They don't mind. They'd prefer I pick their johns rather than settling for whatever random mole approaches them with a fistful of credits and a head full of weird ideas. She dragged her finger down Mead's duster and slapped it, sending a puff of red dust into the air. I have an eye for gents who pay up front and don't want anything off the menu. I got that kind of look, huh? She examined him, removing her finger. You look safer than most. He snorted. <laughs> Hard to believe, man, but some might call me a bit of an outlaw around these parts. She laughed again, this time a little harder. What? Because you're a runabout? She shook her head. Mister, I know hard cases, and you ain't one of them. You got a good heart. And you base that on what, exactly? Mead was more amused than offended, but there was something about this waitress that had his hackles up. She shrugged and took off his hat, sweeping his black hair away from his eyes. You have kindness in your eyes. 
Her eyes crinkled, and for a moment she looked sad. But I see pain there as well. I do not think you really know the type of person you are yet. Oh? Mead was intrigued. And just what type of person am I? She shrugged, replacing his hat on his head. Good? Bad? Indifferent? To you, they're all the same. Could go either way, huh? His voice lowered and he found himself intoxicated by her scent and proximity. He felt the sudden urge to grab this woman, kiss her deeply and never let go. Although, that was probably the response she aimed for when she spoke with men like him. There is... a strength within you. A strength I do not think you are even aware of yet. It is the type of power that few men are capable of wielding properly. Good, bad, indifferent, she repeated, cocking her head, examining Mead once again. My guess is, is that you are too dumb to know what you are capable of. He chuckled. <laughs> Truer words never spoken. He stuck his hand out and offered it to the waitress. Jim Mead. She held it for a moment and he was immediately taken aback by the warm and softness of her hand. Roxanne. I am the bartender here at the Lady Luck. You're the one that keeps these boys in line, huh? He asked, waving his hand towards the gambling moles. Among other things, she said mysteriously. That Count Laszlo and his crew? Mead asked, sensing an opportunity to get some inside info on his mark. Her face fell for a moment and she regained her composure. Laszlo cares nothing for what actually happens on the floor so long as he gets his percentage. Not exactly a guy who's into the day-to-day -day details, huh? She frowned and picked up her tray. I am not so sure I should be speaking with you about this. He sighed and opened up his armbar display. Nothing ever got done in New Plymouth without a bribe. But to his surprise, she raved him off. It's not that I want payment. She hesitated. It's... It's just that you can never be sure who is listening. Mead glanced around and saw that everyone was too busy with their gambling to care about the conversation. He shrugged at Roxanne, indicating that he thought they were safe enough from anybody eavesdropping. She shook her head and pointed down to her armbar where her secure card glowed bright green. His eyebrows furrowed, not understanding what she was trying to tell him. She took a straw out of one of the nearly empty glasses on her tray and used the leftover cranberry juice inside the straw to write something on the lucite table next to them. He leaned down to look at the cryptic message she left. They listen. She looked at Mead and again pointed to the secure card installed on her armbar. Mead looked up in surprise at Roxanne and she nodded, wiping the message off the table with her wash rag. He was suddenly very glad that he'd never bought into the coalition workforce and installed a secure card. If they really were listening to everything anyone said at all times, I could get a body like his in a lot of trouble. Mead took the straw from Roxanne and dipped it into the juice, writing a message of his own. Laszlo? She shook her head and pointed up. Mead's eyes widened. The coalition listened? How do you know? He asked. She cocked her head and looked impatient with him. She thrust her hips and then put her hands next to her cheeks, miming sleep, making it easy for him to understand. Of course, pillow talk. Whoever told her about the Coalition listening in on everyone had likely learned it from one of their Johns. Coalition MPs took their security briefing seriously, but once a man's zipper was unzipped, other things usually followed. All right, Mead thought to himself. What could he ask that wouldn't be immediately found suspect by her boss? Laszlo still runs the day-to-day -day stuff around here, though, right? She shrugged. 
used to be a lot more hands-on, if you catch my drift. She moved out of the way of two moles who accidentally let their hands slide across her ass. She glared at them until they moved on to a new game. He's, uh, not around so much anymore? He's around, Roxanne said, but he leaves a lot of the business stuff to Russo and his goons. Russo, hearing his name, stiffened, but pretended to ignore her and concentrate on counting the stacks of money next to him. Russo's armbar rang, and he turned, taking the call. Laszlo keeps you guys happy, though. He's better than working for the little green men. I had a friend who ended up over on their block, and she... Roxanne sucked air through her teeth. She didn't make it. My apologies, Meade said, meaning it. It was a rough life for a lot of women on Mars. Some got through it better than others. I do okay, Roxanne admitted. I find that my ability to assess when a guy needs company is worth a decent cut for my friends who do all the hard work. Been there, done that sort of thing, he asked. I made my living on my back once upon a time, Roxanne said with a grin. I bought out my contract with a consortium a few years ago and moved to Mars to try and make it myself here. Laszlo took you in. Laszlo saw an opportunity to make money, Roxanne said diplomatically, glancing back down at her armbar secure card once again. She was very clearly worried that he was listening in on their conversation. And besides, he didn't mean to get her in any trouble. He just needed information. Information that it was apparently more dangerous than he originally thought. Whether Laszlo was listening in on them or not wasn't the issue. It was the fact that Roxanne always had to worry that someone was listening, which made her censor herself. Meade realized that whether he intended to or not, by asking the wrong questions about her boss, he could put this beautiful woman in a lot of danger, and he didn't want that. I, I don't mean to put you in any jeopardy, ma'am. Knock it off with that ma'am stuff, Roxanne said with an irritated tone. You and I both know you ain't as polite as you pretend. I find people like me better, he said with a grin. Plus, since you ain't able to tell me much without, uh, he motioned to the secure card, the party line, I feel as if I owe you the dignity of being polite. Oh, now, don't take offense. It's not like I don't think you're cute, Roxanne said. I just think you and I might have more fun doing... She let the implication hang in the air. Things other than blathering each other all night. Meade grinned, but their flirting was interrupted by Russo, who cleared his throat. If you two are finished, Laszlo has completed this meeting and I have been authorized to allow you back to his private game. A private invite to the Sanctum Santorum of Eblock's most dangerous man, Roxanne said. My, my, who are you, Jim Meade? Meade doffed his hat to Roxanne. Just to run about with some questions, ma'am. He turned to the red-faced Russo who was waiting for him. Lead the way, hoss. I hope you find your answers, Mr. Meade, Roxanne called after him. But he didn't look back. He wasn't sure what he was about to walk into, but answers wasn't likely to be a part of it. podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.